A dozen males decide a defendant's fate. An idyllic New England town erupts in scandal. An Air Force major falls in love in Japan. An American turns to a top English barrister after being accused of murder. And a POW British colonel becomes obsessed with building an overpass. This time on the Oscar should have gone to 1957. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... The Academy Award. Not yet, Jack. The Oscar goes to... The Oscar goes to... The Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... The bridge on the river Kwai. Meg. Craig. We're back. We're back in the 50s. We're back in the 50s. Um, we took a sojourn to 2002 mm-hmm. for our last couple episodes, talked about acting. And now we're back to just talking about filmmaking. Yeah, we dipped back. And I got to tell you, um, I wish our manners were back in the 50s. Okay. Here After we go. I finished Peyton Place, I, I listen, I got to tell you, I went to Target the other day like not long after I finished Peyton Place and I walked out of the Target, the Target on like uh, on La Brea and Santa Monica. So like big, they have like a big mm-hmm. parking garage thing. Yeah. And I'm walking back. So you to walked my- out and your stepdad <laughs> raped you and then you bludgeoned him to death. <laughs> Is that why you thought of Peyton Place? I was like, Place? this reminds me of, no, I was like, you know what? <laughs> you know what the people in Peyton Place would never do? They would never hike up their grody ass looking maxi skirt from fucking got you know whatever j crew maxi skirt pop a squat in the middle of the target parking lot and pee and that's a thing that i saw with my eyeballs i had my eyeballs on this woman and i'm not kidding you we made eye contact yeah, and she's okay. like with her or their skirt up around her, whatever, and passive as passive as could be, just like unbothered by like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, I had to go. Pete. Now listen, you are in the parking lot of a Target, which has a public bathroom. Just go to the Target. She was like, could not do it. So and it's a covered parking garage. So you're basically peeing inside on the ground, right outside the driver's side door of your minivan, just staring me in the eyes. And then was just like stood up and was like derp 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 and like went about her life and like got you know her 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 reusable bags from the back and went into Target. Well, what at least are we she's doing? Environmental, at least she's environmentally friendly. I'd say that we need a plague, but we already have one. Yeah, and it is picking off the wrong people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like uh, this yeah. woman is fine. This woman yeah. is fine enough to be peeing in a Target parking lot. To anyway. be fair, we don't know. She probably has COVID as well. <laughs> is that a sign? And was just walking you can't. You cannot into the hold your. You can't. Your your bladder shrinks when you have COVID. I don't I mean, it's care. Possible. I know diarrhea is a symptom. So listen, I could be, I could have COVID out my eyeballs, and I'd be like, I will find a bathroom, sir and ma'am. Yeah. Well, you're a good New England girl. Mm-hmm. I am. I am a proper. Well, I say that I have peed on the street in a number of times. <laughs> yeah. Fifth Avenue comes to mind, but that was late at night. You know what? That yeah. was late at night, and it was a different. It was a different thing, yeah, and also sure. it wasn't. You know, I wasn't wearing a maxi skirt, and it wasn't. There's there's reasons behind it. Okay. Anyway, um, I think this would be a great time to bring in our guest. Um, 
How many um, public places have you peed in? Slash. So we have with us thing. today um, a fellow NYU fighting violet, um, although oh, significantly God, young, significantly younger than us. Not not too much young, but younger. Um, Alex Speak Fast. For yourself, I'm a child. I'm basically a child. You're older than I am, so by like a week. Alex, welcome. Welcome to the pod. This is Thank usually, you. Usually we always open with some story about public urination. No, uh, this is great. I have to admit, I'm a little bit embarrassed. I just saw um, Nomadland. You saw the same lady was, pee? No, you saw Nomadland. No, no, no. I just saw Nomadland and I was around a Target and I really had to pee, but I was wearing this maxi skirt and <laughs> I like, I felt so embarrassed. It was like a covered one. And I was thinking like, why don't you just run inside? But I couldn't. Um, no, you know, that woman saw Nomadland and was like, I'm going to live on the edge today. <laughs> I don't know why the maxi skirt was so important to me, but I guess I just was concerned for it. I was yeah. like, make sure you yeah, really like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you yeah. really got it. Like as a girl, you don't know where that's going. Like it could, Did you know, splish splash you were taking a bath all of a sudden. You know what I mean? That's like, yeah, that's what that song was about. Yeah. Megan, did you Being notice your maxi skirt? If, if this, was this woman wearing like a denim jacket as well? Did she have, was it Frances McDormand maybe <laughs> doing some sort of viral marketing for Hulu? Honestly, if it would have been, we, I would have been like, oh my God, I love you so much. She's great in that movie. I really love, I really love that movie. Yeah, I thought it was very good. Yeah. But that movie didn't come out in 1957. No. Is didn't. that the year we're doing, 1957? It is, mm-hmm. in fact, yes. Okay. Yes, it is. So I hope you watch some of the movies. Um, I hope so, too. I'm we'll see. To talk, I'm happy to talk with Alex about this. But, um, <laughs> Should I leave? Uh, <laughs> I already told my pee story. I think you can I've go. hit the highest I, high. Yeah, you can go. Okay. You know, uh, Megan, Wait. before we start, Alex and I met on a film set. Mm. You did? We, we did. did, and then Nick, uh, Nick, uh, sorry, that's uh, Chris Caffaro's brother, who I like more than Chris. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Craig pretty much got me a lot of my acting gigs early on. Um, and that was, you know, the things he made me do to get those weren't, you know, it was a different time. So it was like, time's uh, up. Time's up. Uh, okay. See you later. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. A, a lot of my uh, acting life in New York was thanks to, uh, was thanks to Craig. Shit, Craig not. never got me shit. What the fuck is yeah. he doing for other no, people? That's not terrible me. Terrible agent. Terrible yeah. agent. Well, I can only, terrible first agent. of all, you know very well that I only, want the advancement of white men. Right, that's right. So, <laughs> so that's why I helped out Alex. Sure, sure, sure. Um, How's no, your I'm, new job working for the Golden Globes, by the way? <laughs> it's sure, great. Sure, sure. I, I, I'm the new chairman. Um, and it's going well so far. No fires this week. No Good. fires out at all. So, by the way, uh, LA Times sucks. We hate the LA Times on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> Am I right, guys? Um, uh, yeah, Alex, Alex was playing the lead role in an independent film. And I had... I was playing just a small part. Cool. Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to be. I didn't. I actually was busy that. I actually had. It's something I auditioned for. It's not. I didn't put it together. Yeah. Um, No. And I'm just telling you that they like. It was an offer out to me, and I just was like, uh, I just can't. I'm like, I'm. I have like a. I have a conflict. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because it was actually for an all male version of Peyton Place. Yeah. Yeah, 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 And you know, I the thing about me is that I read very masculine, and so people were like. You could pull it off. You could pull it off. Please, please come here and be our Allison. And I was like, can't do it. I cannot yeah, yeah. do it. You know, yeah, yeah. I know they said I was tech avail, but, yeah, um, but thank you. Thank, thank you, you so for much. the offer. Thank you so much. I, I do hope that we can work together in the future. And I know we will. I know we 100 will. 100 P. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, let's jump in with both feet, huh? Yeah. So we're going to start. I, uh, I was listening. I was watching the Best Picture announcement on YouTube for 1957. And they actually list this movie later on because they go alphabetically. But because they use the numerals in the title, I always put numerals before the alphabet, mm. personally. Mm. Um, so we'll start with 12 Angry Men. Wow. You, you always leave it to us to choose. And you just went, you just like went in for it. Let me just say, no, can we I just always say- do this. We do always do this alphabetically. We choose when it's like just the actor. Oh, right. Okay. Right. So you're saying yeah. 12 is first. Okay. Well, let me just say yeah. this. Um, great year. Mm. Overall. It's a good year. Overall, really good year. Um, overall, really good year. Very confused watching 12 Angry Men because I'm going to date myself. I thought Jack Lemmon was in it, but he was in like the TV movie remake that yeah. came later. Yeah. Um, so disappointed yeah. not to see my boy. Jackie Lems. But, yeah, but um, you get Henry Fonda. I do get Henry Fonda. And um, what's his face? The guy that sat next to him? That was uh, the- Ed Bagley. I do like Ed Bagley, but I'm talking about the dad from um, While You Were Sleeping. <laughs> or the uncle from While You Were Sleeping. Whatever. You know what? I'm gonna, it's going to come to me. Why don't you guys talk about 12 Angry Lee Cobb? Lee Cobb? No, but, God, you're, no, but I do Cobb's love naming next, people in this um, movie. What's his name? Um, okay. From, um, from uh, Jack. Jack Warden. Jack Warden. Thank you. Jack Klugman. <laughs> okay. Jack Klugman. Uh, yeah. Everybody's you know, great. There, it's a great movie. It is. You know, uh, I, I promised no baseball, but I did think it was very funny that in the first 10 minutes of this movie, there was a guy like, I need to get out of here for the Yankees game. And this quiet dude was like, I'm actually an Orioles fan. And he was like, they suck. Because <laughs> uh, I'm actually a big Orioles fan. And I was like, fuck, can I curse on this podcast or no? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Please. Okay, I was like, fuck this movie. Are you kidding? It's unbelievable. I can't believe it's in 1957. They're already shitting all over the Orioles. Um, I will say, I've seen a lot of movies that I think were turned into plays, and especially this year with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And I think it's extremely difficult to take a movie that is a play that is set in one place mm-hmm. and to make it pace mm-hmm. as well as that movie, pace that movie. And all the camera tricks with lowering it over the course of the film. But man, like a lot of these movies, while they were really good, didn't necessarily age perfectly. I had to really be like, okay, let me put my brain into the 1957s. Everyone still hates Jews. Okay, we're good. Um, but for this movie, I was like, it just still seemed so timeless. It seems so timeless to me. Yeah, I think the issue with it is it's all, it's a, it's very funny. My one thing that was a sticking point is very funny to watch a jury made up of 12 uh, angry white men. It's very yeah. weird to see. It's just, it's all dudes and all white dudes. Um, but yeah, you're, I mean, this, the play translates very well because it is all, it, so many times plays, they want to be different locations or they are different locations, but for, you know, filming constraints, it's like, well, we have to like, kind of like, it's all, you know, they got to open only, it up. You got to open it up a little bit more, but because yeah. this is all just one room, all the action is in this one room. Um, yeah, it works really well, and it in that sense, it does feel timeless. It doesn't feel like a dated thing, and 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 you know, it's very, obviously very talky, um, but the script is good enough that you kind of that you go with it. My one thing is, I, I like I kept waiting for uh, Henry Fonda to be like, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop for him. Like I, it, I felt like it felt like a John Grisham novel where I was like, oh, he actually is friends with the defendant and like he's trying to get him off. Like, or, you know, there, I kept waiting for 
whatever his ulterior motive you, was. You were waiting for his McConaughey monologue. Exactly. As opposed to just being very even keeled. Very even keeled the entire time. Or like yeah. I was waiting for something and there really is nothing. It really is just like, you know, there, and I guess there's an interest and a beauty in that of like, oh no, it really is just like kind of, you know, the most basic jury process and how our prejudice, prejudices um, come into play and whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It yeah. really is a 90-minute definition of what reasonable doubt means. Like, yeah. it really is yeah. just like, if anyone's unclear about that term, they can watch this movie. Yeah. I, and I think, like, I mean, obviously, you know, about being all white men is 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 incredibly true. But I think, like, there's something, there's two things that are timeless about it. One, I mean, it kind of stinks that they show the little boy uh, in the beginning, because the play doesn't. I think the play is, like, purposefully ambiguous about the boy's race. But well, in the movie... Well, one thing we should point out... Uh, that, that because this actually, uh, it came up in a group that I was in. They were doing like, what's the four best play adaptations? Mm. So this is technically based on a teleplay. A teleplay, yeah. It was not a stage play until after the movie. So I, so for me, like, you know, it was like kind of shot, you know, they had all those like playhouse television shows there where they would do like these 90 minute, 60 minute, like basically plays or, you know, teleplays. Um, so it could all be shot kind of live and it wouldn't move around much and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but I, so I don't know the original teleplay. I wonder if they show that guy, probably not. I bet it's all just the tools. Well, right. Oh yeah. So yeah, I don't know if they did, but I, I think like, it's funny that like a lot of my coming into it is like having seen so many poor regional productions of it. You know what I mean? Like right. you just like, it's like every single 55 year old who is disillusioned that he never got to be an actor and is like i'm finally gonna be in 12 angry i'm 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 doing juror seven this yeah exactly we're all like okay cool Uh, um but i do think it is incredibly like just think there's obviously so many important movements happening right now and thinking about just how we could really use a henry fonda in the way that like we need this um middle American dude to reach these kind of like middling liberals who are sort of faux, um, you know, left-leaning, but like when actually confronted with an issue, don't really know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's something right. about him that's just like, I don't know if I'm if, if I'm making myself clear, like a lot of the conversations I have based on racism are like, okay, well, if we're actually going to change racism, one of the ways that white people can be an ally is by being in their group and like having those conversations with their family and having those conversations right. with their friends and making that really important. And like, to me, that's what Henry Fonda is in that movie. And he's also very calm, like you said, and he's very mm-hmm. even keeled and he's very willing to hear the reason. And like, what's so kind of beautiful about that film is it normalizes you changing your mind, which is what's so important nowadays. You know what I mean? People are like, okay, you did it. You made a good point. Whereas yeah. now people are like, um, Jews make space lizards and there are pedophile rings in the bottom of pizza huts. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I was well, going to say that. Those are just facts though, Alex. Those are <laughs> yeah, just Yeah, that's facts. a good point. Touche. Yeah. Touché. I was going to say what Respect we needed facts. was like was like <laughs> five years ago for them to do a new TV movie version of this where Tom Hanks, America's dad, mm-hmm. played yeah. the Henry Fonda part, except now it wouldn't work because people believe that he is part of that pedophile ring. Right. So yes. we've lost even Tom Hanks to these people. Right. So I don't know who out there um, can provide that. Lin-Manuel Miranda, can we get oh my God. Lin-Manuel Miranda? Only if he sings it. it? Only, yeah. if he Only if he sings, sings it, it poorly. I yeah, guess my yeah. my thing, yeah, you're totally I think that's why I say I kept waiting kind of for the other shoe to drop with Henry Fonda because I was like, it's hard to imagine 
this re- <laughs> it's hard to imagine such a reasonable middle-aged yeah. white man. Like it's, yes. it is, you know what I'm saying? I sure. just yeah. was like, oh, he's got to have some sort of personal investment in this because no way would he just be like, well, I'm just asking questions. Like, yeah. no, all the, the, the middle-aged white men that I know are like, I'm going to tell you how it is right now. Cause I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, um, but yeah, I, I mean, you're totally right. It, it is, it, it, uh, again, it, we talk about a lot about like how movies, when we watch them, it's like they become, like a uh, uh, topical over you mm-hmm. know years later it's cr- we're like it's crazy we're having these same discussions um but we really are we really are having the same discussions that they were having and it's i don't know it's both uh it's both enraging and also like you know reassuring that that this is these are the these are the you know these are the questions that we that we've struggled with for a long time on a on another note like I thought it for a movie that is in black and white, I thought it did a really good job of sometimes when movies are in black and white, it's hard to like really feel a sense of place. Hmm. And I thought with the rain, the fact that they had it, it like, the, like it felt they talk, kept talking about how hot it was and it's like a hot, sticky summer. And then that feeling of when the storm rolls in, which I was like, well, that, that, that Yankees game would have been rained out anyway. So Thank God for you. I know. Yeah, exactly. You know, great. Um, and uh, just that sort of like the sense of place and the sense of feeling of being in that room and being a little bit suffocated. Um, mm. They did a good job conveying that, I think, whatever, yeah. however else, however they decided to just shoot it. Yeah. Alex and I were texting a little bit um, after he watched it. And I was basically just like, you know, for how overly theatrical it is, it really shouldn't work this well, mm-hmm. you know, 60 something years later. Mm. Um, but it still does. I mean, the only moment for me that is kind of laughable, like now, not laughable, but it's like, okay, guys, is when they all stand up and turn their back on it. Completely. And that's when, and that's why we, I was like, oh, this is a play. Yeah. Mm. This must be a play that they, you know what I mean? That they, this was the, this is the thing. Yeah. That was ridiculous. You're being so racist that even. OG Willie Loman <laughs> and turning around and he's going to be the last one to be convinced. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, definitely. It's funny that you say that. Cause I feel like that was definitely a moment where the play came through, but then there were other moments where, where they would try to overly cinematize quote unquote it, or make it too cinemagraphic where like the music swells at the very, like there's a right. beautiful moment at the end of the play where everyone like slowly walks out and it's like, you're kind of like just sitting with yourself. And if you're in an, a theater, it's that beautiful silence that kind of everyone's just kind of still and shook. And then this like cheesy ass swell of strings comes in and you're like, Oh God. Yeah. Studio note. That was a studio note. And then the, yeah, fi- yeah. the final Denis thing. Lumet's like, I just want to keep everything in silence here. And, Got you know, this and then the final thing of like, what's like, your name? What's your yeah. name? My name's blah, blah, blah. What's your name? What's my name? Okay, well, see ya. Yeah. Like, that also felt like such a, like, they needed some sort of capper to be like, these, yeah. you know, these two guys, like, ships passing in the night or whatever. You, yeah. Jack, could be juror number seven. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but that being said, it, you know, what? how movie. long is this movie? That was the shortest one. It's like 90 minutes. Great. Yeah, yeah hour 36. Minutes. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Love, you know how I love a movie that's an hour and a half. Oh, well, we picked the wrong year then because Jesus. We well, yeah. most years it's like, that's, you know what? Welcome to my TED Talk, Alex. It's called mm. Movies Are Too Fucking Long. <laughs>
Speaking and... of a movie that's too long, let's talk about Megan's childhood in Peyton Place. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to alphabetical order? We 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 finish with the best picture winner. Okay, 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 yeah, great. Yeah. Um, okay. it it the the opening came up and they're like, we measured the seasons and like all these like images and I was like, <laughs> oh, well that, that's it. The calendar, so that's like that's like my town. It looks like my town, is what I was thinking. It looks like a lot. Is of my it town. really? It does. Oh. Megan's from Exeter. Are you really? Yeah. A separate piece, isn't that what? Isn't that what, yeah? Good all job, about Exeter. John Knowles. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that yes. that you gave that out of your wedding, right? That was one of the yep. two books. Yeah, I gave out a separate piece. And Megan's piece wedding, she gave out a separate piece. And the world according to Garp. Are you John, serious? Because John Irving's a is an Exeter man. It was a very also. literary wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought maybe gave, also gave out like a Celtics jersey, like a Larry Bird jersey, <laughs> <laughs> and like just listen, like all. <laughs> listen again. The, my extended family was like, "What are you fucking doing?" Like give yeah, some exactly. fucking like give them the Red Sox like give them a Red Sox yeah. ca- cap like they yeah. they're in Boston they don't they don't give a fuck about this shit and I was like no they do like bleh. it's okay someone read a piece from Samuel Beckett at my wedding so I, I'm not really one to uh, one to talk there you go there you go so what was your overall impression of Peyton Place then? loved it yeah loved it I mean listen let me just preface this should have been a nominated for should it have been a nominated for uh, for best picture. No, not at all. No, this is a fun. This is a fun soap movie. Did you I enjoy re- the shit out of it? Yeah, I you think it. I also me love Meg. Real Housewives. I also love Ninety Day Fiance. Like, hit me with a little bit of like a you know the little uh, the little people the TLC stuff. Hit me with yeah. Sister Wives. You got a Sister Wives? I'll watch a Sister Wives. I'll watch a Say Yes to the Dress. So yes. I enjoyed when, this. When, when I finished Peyton Place, I kind of knew you would like it. It reminded me um, in terms of like best picture nominees that were like, that was enjoyable. It should not have been a best picture nominee of Airport. Mm, mm. Which God, Alex is Airport. a movie from, from 1970, which is just about like one wacky day at the airport. It's the <laughs> same, like, it's like a two and a half hour movie. We're oh, like that old this lady, old woman. The stowaway lady. by Helen Hayes. So of the wow. Um, Keeps keeps like sneaking onto planes, and then like an employee from the airport like shows up with a bomb and gets on a plane. So is this just blows himself up? What was that movie with Tom Hanks, Terminal, where he was? Uh, what was it where he was just stuck in a terminal? Stuck in the terminal, way more yeah. fun than Terminal. Yeah. Okay, like shit okay. happens in in airport. Like, okay, yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? But it's the same thing where it's just sort of, it's very soapy. Like, you can see There's Washington all these, like, Peyton different Place. stories kind of going on. So okay. this movie is based on a on a novel that was kind of, like, one of the first, like, no one's, we're not ki- ha- having this novel in our school library. Like We're talking about Peyton Place now, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's Grey's Anatomy. See, it is literally, like, it is two yeah. hours of Grey's Anatomy, but it And it t- ended up becoming, like, a 12-year nighttime soap, like, mm-hmm. And you can see why, because it basically, particularly the second half of this film, just one like crazier after crazier thing happens back to back to back. Yeah, I, I will say like, I this is one of the ones that I was like struggling with of like, okay, should have been nominated, should have been nominated. And the hindsight says no. Of the time, 
I can't imagine how shocking it was. And it seemed like it was yeah. extremely culturally important, um, not necessarily just because of the, the, the show after it, but like, I've never watched Mad Men, right? Okay, so I'm in season five. Oh my God, wait, I, let's stop and talk about this for the rest of the time. So okay. Mad Men is my all time. And let me tell you, I watch a lot of TV and mm-hmm. Craig will tell you, I'm very particular. And my favorite dramatic series, my favorite television show of all fucking time, comedy, 30 Rock, but drama, Mad Men. Mad Men. By it's very good. A country mile. I'm obsessed. It's very good. I mean, we're in season five, and we can't believe some of the hits that are still coming out in so season it's five. Sterling like, Cooper, it's Sterling Cooper, Draper Price. Yeah, it's Sterling Cooper, Draper Price, and there's still some really, really big. What like, just episodes. happened? Uh, well, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who might be listening. I don't give a and fuck. These people, okay. they, they, Megan, uh, this is not a. Or, this, you yeah, but I just want to save, know. But you have to save this for your. You have to save this for your Mad Men pod with Kelly that you do weekly. Uh, oh, you do Mad a weekly women. Mad Men? No, not at all. Like, oh no, God. he's making this up. Uh, the the last thing that just happened is um, Megan was going to go off to Boston to do a show. She didn't end up getting the part, um, and then they had the fight about that. But there was a fantastic episode where Don wins the award and Susie comes to the award show, um, and like that was like a top episode. But it was also after the weird LSD episode, um, which was also a piece which is of when itself. Roger sees like half of his face, and it's weird. And and they have the conversation where he's like, "I don't really, you don't really like me." Yes, and it's beautiful. And he also <sighs> talks about baseball and being a part of the Chicago Black yeah. Sox. And see, and uh, he can see the whole thing. It, that's he the, says that, he's there. I made it made me want to do drugs. And I, by the way, I'd be very bad at drugs, Craig. Yeah, ditto. Too anxious yeah. for me. No, you definitely would. I would be too, but you'd be awful. Yeah. The the reason I bring it up even to begin with, well, two things the reason I bring it up. One, it's been very fascinating to watch a show that's supposed to take place in the late 50s, early 60s, and then see movies from 1957. Two, right. I, if I recall correctly, they do bring up Peyton Place because there's an episode where the guy who runs the TV shows is like, this TV show is going to talk about abortion. Yeah. Um, and the guy's like, well, it's not that big of a deal. Like, cause Harry, the ads want to that little fucking yeah. piece of shit, Harry. Yeah, exactly. Who ends up having sex with Allison Brie in that, uh, uh, glamorous, what is it? The, the wrestling show, which is oh, kind of glow. Interesting. Oh yeah. yeah. That's oh, right. Yeah. He, he like, does the first yeah, episode. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of like that really put it into light to me of like how culturally impactful yeah. Peyton Place could have been. Um, and it, it, like, it really was shocking. I mean, when she walks into that room and that woman's hung herself i was like okay like let's Holy go shit. like wow let's do it yeah. i will also, say like this, i get like depression like makes you do crazy things but like you couldn't think of anywhere else to do it other than your daughter's in, best friend's closet yeah. I, know in her little, I know it's you insane want, i guess you don't of want your daughter places to find in you, that but. house like just do it anywhere other than the daughter's closet that's bananas absolutely absolutely yeah. insane i will say i will say like I, there was a lot that I enjoyed about it. The one thing that kind of left me with a sour taste, uh, if we're going to like actually, you know, look at it pretty critically is like, Oh, Alex, that's what we're here to do. Oh, okay. Because oh, you, you were like, that? it's like, well, you were like, it's house, it's housewives to me. And no one's going to look at that critically. You know what oh, I mean? No, this oh, is, this honey, is, this by is, the way, I can look at housewives critically okay, all day, okay. every sorry, day. Sorry, I got sorry. a lot to say critically. This, about this that. basically is the podcast version of Godard's book about Hitchcock. Okay. <laughs> Okay, uh, I feel like they were like, they made the town to be a character 
and they failed really bad at that. Like at the end, they, they kept talking about it. And obviously the mom is like petrified of scandal. Really, yeah. it's just that one crazy woman who calls them, like who calls the, the, the newspaper yeah. about nude people. No one else in the town really presents a threat. Yeah. And then at the end, there's that weird moment where they come out of the courtroom and they're all like, you did great. You really murdered the shit out of them. And like, then we're supposed to believe that the town is turning a page, but it's like the town was never nefarious. The town yeah. was never that big of a- Why, just because- just because the good doctor like lectured all of you and the entire town's like sitting in the courtroom and he's uh, like, you know what did all of this? Gossip. Gossip made that guy, made him rape his stepdaughter. And then made hair bludgeon him to death with the worst prop. Oh yeah. That was, I was like, that's not not bludgeoning a fucking, a ferret. Like that is, that is, that is styrofoam. You're right though, Alex, that I didn't think about that. And that's the thing, something that didn't, they did not build, they did not earn the ending for sure. They did, they made a big deal of like, well, this whole town is poisoned against you and everybody is so scared. Well, even the mom, Allison's mom is like, I didn't, I was so scared to be with you principal guy because i'm ashamed because allison was born out of wedlock and so uh, yeah and here's what we see of the town no one ever like you're also a single mom and no one ever we she you own your own store you seem to you are make enough to may have a house made like so we see a lovely dress shop. We see a school where they absolutely respect and love their teacher. Mm-hmm. They give her an incredible speech. We see like a huge fair with these great singers and all of these things and this montage of a kid eating. Like nothing in that says it's, to me like it's oh, a regular it's- high school that sings Auld Lang Syne at the New Year's Eve dance, which I Holding guess hands. was something people just did prior to 1960 between It's a Wonderful Life and this. I just assumed that that was something that became ended, a thing? like everything, like every. Every single end of the high school dance, like, okay, let's all get together and sing Auld Lang Syne before you guys can go home. Dude, what are the that lines a, to that? For old acquaintance be forgot? For, but the, the subtitle said for old acquaintance be forgot. For I always thought it was like for A-U-L-D, which I don't know. What like does that Auld Lang Syne. Auld yeah, but what is for old acquaintance? No idea. It's Celtic, right? Well, bitch, don't look at me. Uh, uh, me Craig. If anyone should know Celtic, by heart, it you'd think, you. but you know what? I got drunk and forgot. <laughs> be forgot <laughs> and never brought to mind for all acquaintance. Be forgotten. I don't even know the line. I don't know the words to that song. Yeah. Whatever all things, whatever all things I means. That's really the key to the song. And yeah, none of us and, know. and by yeah. the way, and, and interesting in the in the my, there's no way to find out in my thirty something years. I've never thought to just google it i just googled it and i was okay. wrong it is for should old acquaintance be forgot but then i i, I didn't read the rest because i wanted to pay attention to what everyone was saying <laughs> so it's old should oh, old, for old like yeah, old should. acquaintances like yes. craig and i are very old acquaintances yes. yes i don't think it's that old like it's not like old oh, it's not old, that old. old how old yeah, do you yeah, think yeah. i am alex calm down I don't know, like calm down six sixty calm so down actually- alex <laughs> calm down so it's actually scottish yeah, and oh, well, that's translates. Why I didn't know it. That's why I didn't know it. It translates in as old, long since. So Shut that up, doesn't Craig. that doesn't really open up anything for me. It doesn't open up anything. <laughs> doesn't do a damn thing. Doesn't do a damn thing. Um, um, yeah, I mean, we, it didn't earn the ending, but I love everybody in this movie. Um, 
When the movie opened, though, when they first show the house with the with the brother leaving, yeah. I was like, all four of these actors are within three years of each other. Am yes. I watching a high school production of Paper? <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Also, Selena is beautiful. She's very pretty. Which one was Selena? She was the daughter? The rapable one. The raped one. Oh, God. Oh god. Yeah, that uh, one. Yeah, she was she was she was gorgeous. She was really good. I thought the performances were were quite good. The thing that blew my mind, what's his name? Norman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was the dude from Twin That's Peaks? Riff. That's also Riff. I know it's Riff. That doesn't blow my mind as much. The guy well, it's Dr. Jacoby from Twin Peaks that uh, blows my mind. You know why it blew my mind though? Because she wouldn't dance with him. I was like, he's a really good dancer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good point. You need point. to dance with this guy. He is Russ Tamblin is an excellent dancer you're you know gonna want to dance with him you know what's so yeah. funny it's about that guy is party he, where they turn off the lights and everyone starts making out at the same time except yeah. for the hottie here's the thing that's so funny is i felt like um sorry he was the one character where i was like i don't get it like when it, it, he was he felt so awkward to me yeah. in his teenage years and then when she runs into him on the train i was like he looks the same but i was like hello what is up, sir? You can get it. Like mm. immediately, like he he fits that like suave role so much better. And mm. um, I'm just like really happy for him that he like I was really happy for him as a character that he like right. kind of came into his own. Do you think he and Allison fucked afterwards? Yeah. For sure, right? Yeah, they banged on that I train think- back to New York. That was the other thing, too. Like, in my mind, she got on the train, went to the first season of Mad Men, and then came back to her town. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, she is... Oh, yeah. She got used, She definitely got used up by Don Draper and then <laughs> went back to New Hampshire. No, but 100%. I like to think she's Peggy. And she, That's what I just said, yes. That's, yeah, and then she went back for a little sojourn, and then she banged this dude on the train, and then he fucking probably went to D-Day and died. Let's be real. Yeah, And yeah. then she went back and became a copywriter at uh, SCDP. Yes, I'm all about that. Yeah. It's it was yeah, he, that was it was I thought it was better than I anticipated. I when I was texting Craig being like I have two left sign art and Peyton Place and you're like Peyton Place is long but the ending deserves it. So I went in being like okay, we'll see. Uh but I I ended up being like pretty surprised about how, how much yeah, I Yeah, I mean my, it's I, entertaining. Think, no, I think yeah, yeah, I think that's the big thing. Like is it a great film? No. Is it immensely watchable for me especially the second half? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and sometimes, like, we hit films that are either supposed to be great that we're like, I didn't really like that. Or more, than, more often, it's just a movie that it's like, not only is this not good, like, I don't want to watch it. Like, I yeah. watched 30 minutes of it, and there's still two hours and 15 minutes left, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to fucking kill myself. If this is, yeah. I hate this. And then you make a little voodoo doll of Craig. And then, yeah. you, and then Craig texts you and he's like, oh, my arm's asleep. I don't know what's happening. And it's like, uh, I think I'm having a heart attack. I'm, <laughs> I'm at the age that that's possible. Um, we are not speaking, that old. Don't give people that impression. Some of us really would old. like to work again. Speaking of long movies. Say goodbye, baby. Sayonara. Oh, okay. I woke up at 8 o'clock to watch that fucking movie. I'm going to pour myself a little more wine. I'm going to give you guys a second to discuss this. Clear out. Yeah, so let's let two white guys talk about Sayonara. That's really So, the, first of all, I, I looked up... Um, okay. I, um... It won't surprise you, Alex, to learn that when I looked up the IMDb trivia of Sayonara today, it was against everyone that had anything to do with the film 
for Marlon Brando to use a Southern accent. It was they were so all like, funny. They were all like, don't use a Southern accent. You're the son of a West Point general. You're well-to-do. This like half Cajun accent you're doing does not make any sense. And Marlon Brando was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to use the, I'm going to use the Southern accent. Yeah. Oh, did you guys see on the waterfront? Yeah. I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. We, um, we did mutiny on the bounty, um, his version of it. The original is amazing, but, uh, we did the 1962 version where he has to do a British accent. We talked about this on that episode, but when it debuted at radio city music hall, people were laughing so hard at his accent that he got up and left the screening. Are you serious? Yeah. Can I that put is amazing. To you? Is he maybe not good? Um, Here's the thing. He was so groundbreaking yeah. in the early 50s with Streetcar and On the Waterfront mm-hmm. that I think he just wrote a check and people were like, this guy can do anything. And then he basically goes into this period where people are like, we got to cast him because everyone thinks he's the best screen actor who's ever lived. But he basically from around this point, until Godfather, yeah, doesn't really do anything, and then and he sort of has Godfather, this rebirth. It's a, it's with a Coppola. weird. Yeah. But even I would say that that performance is a caricature. Like I mean, like but yeah, for sure, it's a caricature. But like he has this sort of rebirth that Coppola gives him with Godfather and Apocalypse Now, where he's like insane, but people like like it. And then for the rest of his career, it's basically this middle period again, where it's just like no one wants to work with him. He's too hard to work with. All he wants to do is make insane choices. Like, so, well, let's, I don't know. I actually, I got in a debate about this the other day where people were like, someone was like, no, Brando's the greatest actor of film on all, no. of all time. And I was like, no. can we say that based on three to four performances? Like, don't we have to take into consideration the fact people did not want to work for it with him for two 15 year stretches of but his career? But beyond even not wanting to work, like if, if, if you're a difficult actor, but like, it's like, God damn it, you're coming up with gold or whatever. Then, right. then I'm like, well, also, well still fuck you. But at least yeah. it's like, at least there's some good stuff. I'm like, at this point he's Jared Leto. Like, that's what we're getting. Like, we're Jared yeah. Leto. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is. Yeah. I mean, right. yeah, sexual abuse and everything. I yeah. Mean, like, would really we was say, that much of a monster, would you yeah. call Jared fucking Leto the best actor of uh, on film, let alone no. of his generation? Did you see the little things? <laughs> yeah. And also, have you listened to 30 Seconds from Mars? Oh. Uh, <laughs> I I definitely thought that, like, watching him this movie if they literally if the director had the balls to be like hey marlon let's speed it up a little bit the movie would have been 45 minutes shorter oh yeah like, he just oh yeah the scenery yeah. for the entire movie like the entire movie red and buttons i don't know is so much better than he is too yeah uh, sorry just what a great sentence like, too red buttons that, that, for the win i mean that secondary story, that's that secondary storyline, which is basically the same storyline, is so much more interesting. It's actually, you know, what it reminds me of, Mashpoint. Oh mm. yeah, the Woody Allen film. Yeah, where when God. I saw it, I was like, I wish you'd hired Matthew Good. And I'm trying to remember who the female is. It's like Emily Mortimer. It's Ma- Emily I think Ball. it's Emily Mortimer. Um, I was like. I wish you'd hired them to be the lead actors yeah. instead of Scarlett Johansson and Jonathan Reese Myers because they're infinitely more interesting than mm-hmm. either of the people that are like the main people in your movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Red Buttons, and I'm not going to remember the actress's name, unfortunately, uh, off the top of my head, but one best supporting actor and best supporting actress. One of two Eastern Asian women ever. Two Eastern Asians ever. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. One of two. The last one was for the killing fields in like the right. 1980s. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And, and I, I, you know, I, I kind of, um, of two, like, all right, my wife and I went to Japan for our honeymoon and like absolutely fell in love with that Where'd place. Where'd you go? Cause I, that was the last place. Well, no, I went to Mexico. Okay. That was one of the last places that I went in the, in the before times. Ah, uh, the before times. Yes. We went to everywhere. We went to Tokyo, went to Kyoto, we went to Hakone, we went oh, to Osaka. We, you went to Hakone? I went to Hakone. I went to Hakone. Oh, I went to Kyoto Hakone and Hakone. Was... Loved Hakone. Oh, Kone was a magical place. Just, yeah, it was. The it lake was, there in the. Oh, yeah. Fucking. We had so we, many octopus balls. Oh, God. Yes, absolutely. We, when we were there, because we went like above and beyond, we stayed at a place that like pumps in natural springs into the room in a private hot tub. Like it was crazy. In the uh, But we went all over. Love it. Oh, yeah. Beyond, uh, although we had to, we have a bunch of tattoos. So we had to go to like a private Oh, you had to go to a private go. thing. Oh, yeah, we couldn't go. We researched it. that ahead of time a little bit. Yeah. We well, I couldn't take, I couldn't take off my tattoos. Sadly. <laughs> I, <couldn't. laughs> I tried. I'm way um, too lame for tattoos. So. Oh, I, yeah. I, I mean, my tattoo is a Samuel Beckett tattoo. So, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't get to. Uh, oh, you are lame. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's Samuel Beckett and David Bowie and a breast cancer tattoo. So it's not that cool. Yeah. No, uh, you're lame. That's cool. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I, there was something really, really beautiful about being like, wow, like they're showing the world kabuki theater. Like mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Like they're showing the world these like amazing Japanese traditions. I was like, that- where's <laughs> robot restaurant? Am I right? My wife made me go there. It was the loudest hour and a half of I, my life. I was so jet lagged, by the way. I fully <laughs> fell asleep, literally a, a foot away from somebody that was just like, bang, bang, oh, like God. on a gong thing. And I and I still was like, I'm I'm done. I gotta be done. I gotta that be place done. is, it's bananas. It's bananas. bananas. But so I there, there highly a, recommend everybody that goes. It's it's very fun and ridiculous. It just it's is something. Like, it's, it's also a, it's eighty thousand feet underground. Yes. It's terrifying. 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 Yeah. I was like, we are in the center of the earth. Anyway, continue. <laughs> so I, I I really did respect that. There, like, also there's a really I think a really nice delicate moment where they're making matcha tea, and he's like, all this pomp and circumstance over this tea, and she's like, oh well, it's actually all about like enjoying the experience that gets you there. So there were these moments there, but then at the end. The worst part about it is like, well, a few things. One, we talked about it before, but like you cast all these Japanese actors and then you just decide to make a, a Spanish man a lead Japanese actor for We had to no go with reason. Ricardo Montalban because <laughs> one Japanese actor was playing Saido in The Bridge on the River Kwai. <laughs> so there was no one else. And, and all the rest of them were doing Throne of Blood with uh, Kurosawa. Uh, so there was up? nobody to cast. It's like, and that, that's the other thing too. Like I think about the great Japanese cinema that had already come up at that time, you know, Kurosawa literally redefining film. He'd already yeah. done Rashomon, you know, like Tokyo yeah. story, mm-hmm. arguably one of the most important films ever. And then Americans being like, this is Japan. You know what I mean? That to yeah. me was a little bit silly, but like, I do think you do have like, obviously I can't say it enough filled with awful stereotypes that are extremely unhelpful. But if we think solely of the time, how bold that was, I mean, the trivia pages that I read were like, this was actually a very important film for talking about interracial marriage in the 1950s yeah. mm-hmm. and what that was like. Yeah. So it, it, in many ways there were points where I was like, it was another film kind of like Peyton place where I was like, man, this is kind of bold. Like this is pretty, pretty bold. But yeah, the, the Marlon Brando stuff really was like, ugh, yeah, Jesus. I think it really, I think the Ricardo Montalban of it all is very telling in that it's always, I mean, God, 
I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I don't want to get on my <laughs> my weird soapbox, but I, I think it's always been more culturally okay for white men and uh, Asian women. And it feels like it right. felt like almost a bridge too far mm-hmm. because she has a little bit of a flirtation sort of relationship with that they don't fully go into, by the way, the the fiance, the white fiance. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Marlon Brando's white fiance and and Ricardo Montalban, and they don't really explore it, but it's implied that they have kind of like a romantic attachment. And I almost it felt like I that that would have been a bridge too far, making yeah. Yeah. him. I, I will say, um, yeah, maybe, and this is like damning with the faintest praise, but like props to Ricardo Montalban for not being as offensive as he could have been. Like given sure. that you mm-hmm. know. Four years later, we get Mickey Rooney and Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, yeah. This is like in comparison to what he could have been doing in the role. It's like, well, at least you tried to approach this. Like, you never should have been cast. Like, I that's not okay. You shouldn't have accepted the role. But at least you approached it with like some sort of respect. I feel like, as opposed to and to that ends, props to Audrey Hepburn who turned down the lead turned role. Turned down because, the lead role. Yeah, because she was like, no one's. This is insane. This shouldn't really? be. They, yes. The, the opposite Marlon, Marlon Brando. Yes. yes. Oh, wow. She was like, this That's shouldn't insane. Be, yeah. It's insane. She was like, it's a beautiful script, but thank you. I don't think, I think people would laugh at me. To and pretend cra- to be honestly, a, Japanese a Japanese lady. Yeah. yeah. Crazy to me that if Audrey Hepburn turned it down though, how many other white actresses in Hollywood yes. do you think they went to before they decided like, well, I guess we have to try an actual Japanese woman. And yeah. props to all those women for also turning it down. Because it's one wow. thing if you're already Audrey Hepburn, you already have an Academy Award to be like, I don't think I should do this. Yeah. Um, it's, that's as opposed cool. to being that, like someone I did not like, know that. That is Marlon. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, he's I very, do like he, that, he really does take away, though. Like all of the yes. fun, cool stuff he takes away. Sorry, continue. Yeah. I do like the meet cute between them where he, she's like, I have a grudge against Americans. He's kind of like, you should like me. And she's like, the bomb killed my entire family. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. like, yeah, but. but I didn't draw that bomb. That was like I six mean, years I ago. But I didn't draw that bomb. Yeah. No, but with a Southern accent, please. Yeah. That I was like six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but I then again, once again. The creek, the creek in crawl. The creek. The creek. Not to keep bringing this back to Mad Men, although Megan, you probably love it. I like love thinking it. about thinking about how John Slattery's inability to run away from that, uh, run away from the war, um, and then what the men are depicted as in that movie. I mean, that's a pretty like they said they literally said that was a real fact that ten thousand American men married Japanese women uh, over the course of that time, and and the laws against that. That was one of the more shocking moments too, when Marlon Brando's like, uh, what does the government care? And he's like, oh, they send me these pamphlets that are like, do not marry these women. Like, they I care like, a lot. Oh, it turns what? out they care a lot. Oh yeah. That was like crazy to me, but yeah, well, James, maybe, you know, and James Michener who wrote the novel mm-hmm. was married to a Japanese woman as well. Yes. We both read the same IMDb trivia. Page, yes, we I did. Think. Yes, we did. Um, <laughs> Oh, but and last thing about I this didn't too. Read anything? No, you're, you're smart, and you didn't waste your time. Uh, one, th- there was a lot of incestuous stuff happening in '57 because it seemed like Brando turned down a face in the crowd to do this, um, and then the guy from Bridge on the River Kwai, the one who played the Englishman, definitely um, turned down the Brando role. Turned down the William Brando Holden. role to play, yeah, William Holden to play yeah. the guy in Bridge on the River Kwai, which I thought was yeah. interesting. 
Yeah. William Holden um, was going to be the Brando role? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would have been not as good. Oh, my God. I don't know. He's he probably like, would have not done it with a British uh, Definitely uh, not done it with a British <laughs> accent. And would have been a lot more alcoholic, I'll tell you that. I yeah. mean, maybe he, would have, maybe he would have had... Maybe it would have had some chemistry because that's the other reason it doesn't work. There's just no chemistry between yeah. Brando and that yeah. character. Yeah. I do think the one thing I would say, like, seek out in this movie is I do think the composition of the shot where you see Kelly and Katsumi after they've taken their lives yeah. is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. But like also, when you see the gun that I was like, oh, this is amazing cinematography. It's like you like underlined this one like moment of the film was like, I'm going to do it here. Yeah. From a plot Maybe. point, though, what a wild yeah. choice. Yeah, that was a little, I mean, yeah. I agree that it was beautiful and it actually kind of moved me a little bit, but like yeah. considering not but two minutes before, he was like, this place sucks. What do you mean they're going to kill themselves? Like, and then all of a sudden he's like, okay, I'll shoot you. Yeah. I'll shoot you yeah. ahead. I mean, it was very obvious foreshadowing, but it also, you know what it yeah. reminded me of? Sorry, let's bring it back to TV is um, that episode of The Shield, Craig, Family Meeting. Never watched it. Family Meeting, mm-hmm. Craig. That's all I'm going to say. If yeah, please, because I want to watch it. I want to watch you, it. I'm not going to say anything. If Shield's you watch great. The Shield, I'm, that I'm not going to give away. If you watch The Shield, there's an episode called Family Meeting, and it reminded me of this. Okay. That, that, we're looking for a show to do next, my wife and I, so we'll do that one. Oh, That's it's good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's good. Yeah. Um, the other thing it's is no Mad Men, they use, but it's good. I can't remember if it's okay. in that scene. They use Sayonara as like this sad goodbye yeah. that I oh. really liked. That was like, oh, that's such a great way to... If you're going to use the title of the film, which Megan loves, it's I like her love favorite. It. I love it when they say the title of the film and then yeah. they but I was ruined like, that's it. Such, and then they ruin it at the end of the movie where he's like, sayonara, suckers. Yeah. What would you <laughs> say? I'd say sayonara. Yeah, that was bad. God. You know what's funny? So Irving Berlin wrote that song, right? Uh, wrote sayonara. And the New York Times ripped it apart. Like they were like, I read the review from 1957 today and they were like, and this piece of shit song from Irving Berlin. I was like, oh my God, wow. This is no, you can't get a man with a gun. <laughs> well, they did, he did the rest of the music, right? Because at one point I was watching it and it's not good, but Maddie, my husband came in and was like, um, goes, um, oh, the, the, it's pretty music though. It's good music. I only. I actually I don't think. Know if he the, said that because he knew Irving Berlin and he was trying to be a little fucking. No, no, no. I don't think because the music he's per, is Irving he's personal Berlin. Friend, he's personal friends with Irving. Yeah, Berlin, he was like, so. I was trying to. He's always trying to prop up Irv, and it's like, get yeah. over it, bro. You know, one he can he can friend. get oh, he can actually get over because the music is not Irving Berlin. Oh, okay. It's just it's just Sayonara. It's he just, just that one wrote song. That song. Okay. He just wrote that. That's all they so could that afford. So that proves to me that he did look up. That it's Irving Berlin, and he was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna make a smart comment." Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and I was but, like, you know, "Yeah, I, I guess." To be, to be fair, I'm the same way with Jerome Kern. Like, Who's that? Anytime someone like tries to dunk on Jerome Kern, I'm like, "Hey, guys." I don't. This Jerry is one, was a good friend. Who's is, Jerome Kern? No one knows. Showboat, baby. Who? Showboat. Oh, showboat. Okay, until the clouds go rolling. See, Alex, uh, he's trying to do his thing where he's like, I know, lame shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Showboat to the Roberta. uh, A lot of uh, Astaire and Ginger Rogers. No, lame shit. No, no, no. I'm 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 on the IMDb page. I'm on the IMDb page. I just went there. Yeah, that's the only reason. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm not that bad. Sayonara, suckers. Let's move on to a witness for the prosecution. 
This is my Charles Lawton impression on that movie. Just, <laughs> just rubbing his face for 90 minutes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. I love this movie. Charles Lawton. I like okay, it. Go on. I thought it's, I thought it's, fun. I think this movie's fun. I think this movie is a fucking blast and it's awesome. And Charles Lawton is the shit. And here's one thing that I did read because I love Charles Lawton. Um, do you know? who Daniel Day fucking Lewis thinks is the greatest film actor of all time. Cause it's Charles. I bet it's Charles Lawton. Lawton. I was going to say Brando, but all right. Nope. Yeah. Charles motherfucking Lawton because fucking DDL is not an idiot. And is like, I know what's what. And this yeah. dude is amazing. He fucking plays it straight. He, the comedy with the nurse who is by the way, his wife. His wife. His wife. Well, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But you know who else to Lanchester is? Who's that? In cinematic history. No. She oh, wait, yes. She was the Bride the of Frankenstein. Bride of Frankenstein. Right, right, the Bride right, right, of Frankenstein. She, yes. I mean, I, um, on, on Marlena Dietrich looks like amazing and she's the shit on every level. I love this movie. This is a watchable, this is watchable. I love this. Listen, it. it's a, it's, it's Agatha Christie, baby. But like elevated, like I didn't yeah, feel I mean, like. But I mean, it just just that it's like a whodunit, like it's fun. Like I, I think this is like a worthy nominee. Me too. I that's what I'm saying. But it's, but it's, I think it's also like just like a super like watchable film, like in the same way. But I'm like this is watchable, and I'm fine with it getting nominated. Um, I just think it's a fun film, and I I know Alex and I both felt this way. Megan, I'm interested if you so. The, one of the big twists in the movie is Marlena Dietrich plays the second character. Did you have any idea it was Marlena Dietrich? Because nope, I sure not did. a goddamn clue. And you not know what? A goddamn clue. And you know what? I've seen this movie before, and I still didn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy to me. That is wild. Was it really her? I'm like, yes. I was like, I think I need to rewind because I don't buy that it was her. So you want to kiss me now? What does he say? Like you want to kiss? Yes. Like, what the? you know what's funny my I, I was talking to my dad about i was doing this podcast and he remembered that line like fr- and from all the way back then like that was just a line that he remembered um a few things is Megan, your that dad wondered, 80 years old he's born in 1950 okay well so no he's not no he's not 80 but still he, he remembers he was, that movie he was six when this movie also, came out also her her dad lost his dad lost part of his uh, year. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, that's it's a character really, that's really true to life for him. It is so. community. Yeah. Uh, Charles Lawton, I guess at one point. So, um, uh, what's his name? Who directed it? It was, Oh, uh, Billy a, Wilder, a my director. boy, Billy. Billy, Wilder. Billy Wilder. Yeah. So he said that it was, he said that he was more in awe of Charles Lawton on the set than ever before that he blew him away, that there was one scene where they needed to do VO, uh, for like, no, they needed reactions from the audience. Um, so none of the actors were on set except Charles Lawton insisted on showing up and playing every part. Like he played Marlena Dietrich's part. He played his part. He played the old Scottish woman's part. And then he would, Billy Wilder was like, and I was blown away by how authentic each of That's them was. Incredible. With that said, I think it's the worst film of the five, maybe. Wow. Full disagree. But um, I don't even, I don't have anything else to say about this movie. I, thoroughly enjoyed it and was blown away by Charles Lawton and um, just like what a delight also didn't really see the end I was like I knew I didn't think he I thought I didn't think I thought one of them was in on it I didn't think she was in on it I was like oh he did it and he fucked her over like it was fascinating to me I loved the end don't want to give it away watch this movie if you haven't watched it it's a delight I thought the first 35 minutes I was like I don't care 
Like, I just didn't care the first 35 minutes. I also agree that the ending is amazing and it's a crazy twist and it's like yeah. perfect. Agatha but the Christie. first 35 minutes, they throw you the fun, funny shit where I like legit laughed out loud when he was like going up the stairs on the thing. And he was like, ooh, this <laughs> yeah. is fun. I'm going that up is, and that down. That's a great bit. Great, great bit. Yeah. Great fucking bit. And like like this this the cigars and the cane. And I was like, I'm here for it. Like I yeah. love that sort of madcap kind of energy of like we're in a we're in an office and like people are coming in and like the nurse is like, take your pills and whatever. I was like, I am here for this sort of energy. There is a lot there is a lot of the first 45 minutes, or actually up until like the last 10 minutes. It's just Tyrone Powers screaming he's innocent. Mm. It's like not oh, a great God. Tyrone Powers. Not great for her him. No, he yeah. had a heart attack right after that movie. Yeah. Um also uh while I will say that I think Charles Lawton probably was an excellent barrister, um, that prosecutor's bad. Like if I'm in if I'm in fucking the UK, England, seven years after World War II, I don't bring up a German as my key witness, y'all. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, without a doubt. Hey, you guys remember the bombing of Britain? Like, yeah, people hate Germans now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know what's funny too? Like that. Like, really, he's just popping pills and drinking through that entire movie. Yeah. Like, he's in court being like <laughs> whiskey popping pills. He keeps like then... laying them out to be like. <laughs> he's not even like, like not us about. Like what? <laughs> I, I'm like I'm. I was like howling. I was like, this is so funny that he's just like. <laughs> It's, it was, it was really making me laugh. It was he was really making me laugh. All the stuff too about trying on his wig too. I was like, what yeah. is going on? And the Bermuda when shorts, he, the whole, and also like the reading of the. It just was the reading of the. He was like, this is a a thing for my very fetching Bermuda shorts, and he had hid the things. It just was like, it it gives me great pleasure. Listen, yeah. we stand Charles Lawton on this pod. We stand this him. This is now a Charles Lawton stand pod. I would, Never. I would do a whole pod of just about him. And you know who would be my co-host? Nick, Daniel, Chris, Day, Craig, Bay, fucking Lewis. Lewis. <laughs> He'd probably have to go away for like three years to like really deep dive into being a podcaster. But I think it's so interesting because I, I, I that. heard that, and then I, and then. I, I like looked it up like about halfway through. And then I, when I was watching the movie, I was like, Oh, I super get it. Like it's very, their styles are very, he's, it's a big choice, but it's a grounded choice. Yeah. Charles Mm -hmm. Lawton is amazing in the original mutiny on the bounty, by the way, that's him and Clark Gable, Clark Gable's in the Brando role. And Lawton is the like captain of the ship. Um, he's amazing. He's a great actor. I just remembered something Maddie told me. Um, do you know that speaking of different roles, blah, 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 they wanted Charles Lawton to be the William Holden role? In Bridge on the River Kwai? Mm-hmm. But then he was too fat. Oh, that's interesting. When he comes in and he's like, I hope my wig still fits. I lost 30 pounds or whatever. I was like, I what was did you like, look like before, bro? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Charles. Yeah. Cut back. It- it is a very fun movie for sure. But I always wonder if it's like, was that movie nominated because it was like one of the first to have like a major twist ending so much so that they had to be like, please don't tell anyone what happened at the end of this movie. Like, I yeah. love those disclaimers at the end. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's, prob- it's, pro- it's probably, I mean, you know. I don't think it was nominated around, for the uh, twist, but I mean, I think yeah. probably it was popular maybe because. Yeah. Because of, of that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that Craig had me also watch Face in the Crowd, and I think Face in the Crowd was better. That's fine. Okay. We'll get to that in a we'll second. Get to that. But first, we'll get to that. All right. Sorry. About... Oh, sorry. We're going to get sorry. to that. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, no. Don't do it. He's trying to whistle. Bridge on the River Kwai. Oh, yeah. did you just spill your wine? A little bit. <laughs> Bridge on the River Kwai. It's our boy, David Lean. Oh, God. Who's that one? Dave, I got to tell you. He needs to, and I love him, and I do love him, but we need to, I just really want him to work at under two hours. Just under mm. under two and a half. Under two and a half. Yeah. I mean, this is a step up from Lawrence of Arabia and that it's under three, which I appreciate. Right. Um, oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, but that's my hot take. Um, other God, than also that, great, Dr. Zhivago. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. Other than that, great, great movie. It's a good movie. Um, I tell you, it was weird watching it because when we did 1963, I think, I also revisited The Great Escape. And they have, it's very sort of like, they have similar parallels because it's like World War II, prison camp. The weird thing is The Great Escape, which is much more action-y, I feel like, is based on a real story, whereas Bridge on the River Kwai is not. Well, sort of is. They have that, that bridge was sort of real. Yeah, but like the care, like Colonel Nickerson and all that stuff, I think is not, is all kind of. Yes, that's all. Well, no, actually, he's based on a real guy. Well, if, I'll say it's, it's very nice to see Alec Guinness in a David Lean movie where he's playing a white actor. <laughs> <laughs> it has been problematic for him, for sure. Because we've had him as an Arabic actor in Lawrence of Arabia, an Indian actor in A Passage to India. Oh, brutal. Um, but this so one was also rough, too. I was like, you suck. We hate you. You're the villain. It is like a weird thing. Like, he becomes just so obsessed with his fucking bridge. But I actually think yeah. that elevates the movie eventually yeah is like that character at the beginning like is not that interesting but it definitely makes the movie a million times more interesting particularly at the end where he's finally just like oh what the fuck is wrong with me that's what did i just do yeah as someone who has played a lot of legos with their nephew i do understand like the impetus of like the feeling of like, please do not ruin the thing that I made. I made sure. this thing. Yeah. No, I think that really adds to the whole gravitas of the last, I think the last 10 minutes of that film hold up remarkably well. I mean, yes. the train in the background can provide so much anxiety, like that perpetual whistle, that line, what have, you know, what have I done or whatever? Like, I, I thought that was fantastic. I think in many ways, it's kind of like two movies. Like yeah. it could have just been split and honestly, into. And honestly, they probably could have caught, like, totally cut out all but like twenty minutes of William Holden. Um, I and, totally yeah. except and so when he comes except back, except we need that body, yaddy yaddy. Oh yeah. Well, you can point. still have that body in those twenty minutes, but like when he's just like when they're like showing like Guinness like locked in a box, and then it's like, and now let's cut to William Holden hanging out in Tahiti or wherever <laughs> he is with like, the natives. Well, we like, needed yeah. the one woman though in the yeah. movie. Sidebar. 12 Angry Men, no women. Bridge on the River Kwai, one scene of a lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, sayonara, maybe Objectified, ladies. yeah, yeah. yeah. Objectified yeah. ladies. Uh, witness for the crash re- prosecution, I guess Marlena Dietrich, Peyton Place. Because they were all ladies. in Peyton Place. They were, there were no other women to work. They were all in Peyton Place. No, they were yeah. all in Peyton Place, all, yeah. 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 They, there is only so many... Except- 
except for that principal that dis- that seems like he's a major major part of Peyton Place and then just disappears <laughs> after the first fifty minutes of the movie. Yeah, that is yeah. kind of weird. Yeah, you're right. There is there is no. It is completely bereft of of the female voice, like I think in any way. Yeah, it's totally, and that, that's fine. I'm not like as a lady myself. I'm not like mad at that. That's fine. Um, I mean, I think Saving Private Ryan is maybe the greatest war movie of all time. There's no ladies in that. Um, mm. This is just a very. This is a. This is a fascinating story. It is a greatly done movie it's a great movie again i would say to david lean it is a movie that could have been done in an hour and 40 minutes Mm. that's it that's all i have to say honestly like yeah the end is great it's so great it's an i think this movie is over bloated by about an hour yeah yeah i agree i i think that there once again like i feel like the theme of this is like these each film had something that surprised me um, and the thing that surprised me from this movie is the relationship between the English and the Japanese officer, the honest portrayal of that relationship, as opposed to relying overtly and purely on stereotype. You know what I mean? Like, uh, apparently the Japanese general that this was based off of was one of the few, actually, he wasn't even that intense. He was actually uh, pardoned for his war crimes because of his relationship with his, with that English general. Um, but I thought that they they could have just as easily written off the Japanese general as being like, he's Japanese, he's evil, blah, 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 blah. But they didn't, they gave him substance and they gave him character in, in, in my opinion um, with how they handled him. Um, I, I think too, like it, I mean, I don't know if we're going to talk about what should have won, what shouldn't have won, but like in terms of scope, we this are. movie was incredibly impressive. I mean, sure. Yeah. That was incredibly, I mean, like they, they fucking built that bridge, man. Like this is the 1950s and they're in the middle of the goddamn jungle. This is like, I always talk about like Fitzcarraldo, that like fucking Werner Herzog film where they haul that big ass ship yes. over a mountain. Or, you know, you talk about, you know, uh, apocalypse now, but like this is 1957. They're in the middle of the goddamn forest making a bridge. Like that's, that's crazy. Sure. I mean, they made a yellow brick road too, though, bro. Like don't yeah. forget that. That's true. That's a good point. Um, they actually sorry. went to Oz. They went to Oz. Like they fully, like they had to fly a they had to fly all those fucking little people. People in a in a torn in a tornado. In a tornado. Like that's the Oz. only way to get to Oz. The only Oz I know is a men's prison. Mm. Well, this is a JK different Simmons, one, and it's yeah. oh, okay. Small people. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Sidebar. You, friend of the podcast, Kelly Ewing, by the way, that was shot in Sri Lanka, and she stayed at that hotel that William Holden stays at. Did yeah. you know really. Yeah, and she re- she rebuilt the bridge during that time. <laughs> That's not true. That hotel was gorgeous, man. <laughs> I thought it was so interesting. Yeah, it was nice. Um, I thought it was so interesting that um, yeah, I agree with you. I think the showing the the English way of doing things and the Japanese way of doing things is so interesting. As somebody that had recently been to Japan, I was it's so fascinating. Um, they're like culturally, you could not go to a place that's more culturally different. Like mm. it's so much like the, to the fact that this guy is going to commit, is going to kill himself yeah. if this bridge right. isn't done. Yeah. It's so much emphasis on the, and, and it, again, the greater good, you know what I mean? This is why people wore in Japan wore masks before a pandemic is because like, you know, not because there's a boy wearing a mask in sayonara. Sorry. Go yeah, on. no, exactly. <laughs> and it's, and it's, and when we came back, when I went to, sorry, sidebar, when I went to Japan and I came back and my, uh, did you, go, you guys, went, you went to, sh- I went to Japan, Japan. <laughs> and my in-laws were all like, they're crazy, uh, conservative people. And they were all like, well, 
like is I don't even know just stuff about like how they are not God fearing people and I don't even want to get into it but <clears throat> my whole thing about because I was talking about how they wear masks and again this is pre pandy and they're and I the thing that struck me is they're not wearing it for themselves they're not wearing it to protect themselves at all. They were wearing it, be- the people that in Japan, as I understood it, wore masks um, because they weren't feeling really well and for the greater good. Like, mm. like we're doing them now, obviously. Right. But like, it's such an f- interesting thing that like even before this, like the emphasis is not on the individual. It's on yeah. the, the collective. The greater yeah. good, yeah. The greater good is such a thing. And it's very interesting to see those two cultures kind of smash. Again, a heady subject to kind of tackle in 1957. So totally. it was nice that that we had a scene that sort of skirted around that. Would I, you know, have enjoyed more of that? Yes. But mm. I also realize it's 1957 and, you know, what's going to sell more is Alec Guinness making speeches about yada 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 and building the bridge yeah. and whatever the fuck and and yeah. the brits and whatever so it's fine it's a it yeah. is a it is it is of its time i i will say that like i i and you guys can let me know how you felt about this too like i don't know what david lean's opinion if he had one was about those two cultures and like there, there's some really weird moments where like the British will do something very British, and then this very sarcastic marching music will play. Not like the actual River Kwai theme, the whistle, but like right. this very like jaunty kind of military music, and it plays in really bizarre moments. And I didn't know if that was David Lean highlighting like the British are just as as absurd as the Japanese are at times, in his opinion, or what it was. But it my was, husband would I, say David Lean hates the English. <laughs> as an Englishman, he, David he, Lean hates the English. And he and did. He, Apparently, he hated the English actors. He hated Alec Guinness. Yeah, I mean, I think Alec Guinness was an asshole, like a straight mm-hmm. up like douchebag, like jerk face. And so well, Alex, Alex and I were saying like he might have actually been locked in that box for three days. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. But I mean, I think David Lean, um, especially like I mean, Lawrence of Arabia, like like the the British do not come out looking good in any mm. of his movies. Yeah, they're not the heroes in okay. any of his movies. Yeah, um, I do have. I have three questions about this film. The first, and I should have, I could have just looked this up. Do you think The Shining is referencing Bridge on the River Kwai? Maddie, look, or is I that it up. from something else? It's from something Wait, else. The what? Sixteen hundred. The the earliest. Um, all work and no play makes Jack, Jack of all boy. The earliest recording of that is in the 1600s. So, yeah, I didn't think it was a reference to Bridge on the River Kwai. Yeah, yeah, it's not a reference to Bridge on the River Kwai, and that's all. Question number two. Um, but I had that question, too. Why are all of the men so happy when Saito decides the officers don't have to work? Such a great they question. They still have to work. Such a great fucking question. They're all like, yeah, you be congratulations, like, congratulations. Maybe this do is the Bernie, Bernie bro in me, but wouldn't you be like, no, bitch. Like, <laughs> by the way, what a weird hill to die on when you're like, nope, I'm going to kill, I'm going to send my officers to the death. They're not going to do that. And say, well, I mean, again, Alec Guinness is the villain really, but like, yeah, yeah what a fucking dumb thing. You know, I did. Yeah. that I, Good question. So, good question, Craig. 
the, to answer also to answer that question, that was one of the biggest differences between Alec Guinness and the English general it was based off. The English general it was based off would purposefully sabotage the bridge every once in a while to keep the respect of the men. And one of the biggest criticisms was if the generals did that, the men would be like, you could go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, final question. When do they find time to put on this show? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we all went to school for drama. We all yeah. were back. We were all, you know, had course loads and then we would have to rehearse at night. Yeah. It doesn't seem like when you're building totally. a bridge across the River Kwai, yeah. you have time to even learn basic choreo and throw on a glass sure. grass skirt. And I guess what I would say is that art can't be stopped. Oh, Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, beautiful. They're just like, sir, I know we need to put the finishing touches on, but tech is <laughs> at two. And it, the lighting, you know, it's like, yeah, it's insane. Yep. Guys, we've got enough time to do a speed through. <laughs> just so everyone can do their lines. It was a cue to cue. It was just a cue to cue. It was just a cue to cue. It was just a cue to cue. And then the rest of it was on them. And I Guys, have to please, tell you. We're not going to have time to put it all together. So everyone needs to be rehearsing the scene separately. And <laughs> honestly, they were fully professional. They were. And I would like you to, to remember them as such. Listen, yeah, even Colonel Nickerson was having a he was having a friggin' ball. So good point. Um, oh. So before we get on to any other movies from the year, Alex, at this point, we're gonna rank the films from five to one, just like they do uh, ranked balloting at the Oscars. If you had to rank these five, how would you rank them? One being the best. No, one being yeah, the best. one being the best. Yeah. Five being the worst. They okay. do start this with, at the Oscars. Start with the worst. I'll say Sayonara, um, Sayonara, oof, man, okay, All right, I'm just going to make a quick decision. Sayonara, Peyton Place, uh, Witness for the Prosecution, 12 Angry Men, and Bridge on the River Kwai, from worst to best. Meg? Um, sayonara. Mm-hmm. Um... Peyton Place, mm-hmm. 12 Angry Men, Bridge okay. on the River Choir. My favorite movie is Witness for the Prosecution. Wow. wow. <laughs> um, I have the same first two rankings, Sayonara, Peyton Place. Then I'm going to go Witness for the Prosecution. But I'm Are we going... actually going to agree? Oh, my God. Mm-mm. We're not, because I'm going bridge second, and I'm going and 12 Angry Men first. Yeah, if I had balls, I would do that, yeah. Um, but let's talk about some other films from the year. Um, this is actually a really good year for film. Yeah. Um, I actually watched six other 1957 releases. <laughs> um, there's a couple that I really want to get into. One that I know Alex watched for this that he hadn't seen before, and another one I know that he didn't get a chance to rewatch, but is a film that he likes a lot one that i hope megan got a chance that, that's similar to one that megan watched um there's a there's a bunch of foreign films from this year foreign films are always weird particularly this period of time because uh when they actually are released in the united states differs wildly from when they actually came out sure so both of the foreign films i watched actually were not released in the united states in 57 but neither of them ever got any sort of oscar attention so i felt like i'd still consider them that this year and that's the seventh seal and throne of blood. Um, 
we've talked about Alex before on this podcast, how a lot of the, for me, at least a lot of like the great foreign film directors, I can appreciate and I'm very thankful for how they inspired future generations, but I don't get into them that much. Bergman's actually a little different. Usually I'm like more in the bag for him, his stuff. Seventh Seal is kind of not for me. Um, it's a little, I think visually it's beautiful, but um, with the exception, honestly, of like the knight playing chess with death and some of that stuff, I don't really care about a lot of the other vignettes in the movie. Um, mm. Throne of Blood, I, I dug more. I actually think it's probably the best adaptation of Macbeth I've ever seen. Um, I still don't think it was like the best movie of the year. Um, that movie actually wasn't released in the United States until 1961. Uh, and wow. Seven Seal was released here in 58. Um, Wild Strawberries, which was Bergman's other movie from 1957, uh, actually was nominated for a couple Oscars in 1959. So we can cover that then. I watched um, A Hatful of Rain, which is about a guy dealing with uh, morphine addiction. Uh, oh, wow. Which, which was based on a play. It does, I don't think it really holds up now. It seems that had a few best actor nominations, right? It was nominated for best actor. Um, it might have been nominated for best actress as well, Eve Saint Marie, um, and it was nominated at the Golden Globes. It took Peyton Place's place for drama, so it was the same four movies and then a half full of rain. To me, it, it feels just like a little overblown now and lifetimey, and it feels clear why Eve Saint Marie, who's still alive by the way, she's ninety six years old. Wow. Um, but why neither of the guys were like big film stars ever. Um, and then Sweet Smell of Success, which I'd never seen, which I enjoyed, but um, I don't think it's like capital G great. Um, but you know, it's always good to see Burt Lancaster in anything. Mm. That guy's a great actor too. Uh, the two that I really wanted to talk about were A Face in the Crowd and Passive Glory. Uh, yeah, I mean, just so a quick thing, uh, real quick. I, I also love Throne of Blood. I think I went through a big Kurosawa phase, and I definitely think it's just beautiful. I mean, like, yeah. I, I, I don't remember that, and oh my god, Ron, right? Ron is the King Lear one. Um, those they 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 were just like moments that where I was like, wow, this is cinema that I've never experienced, and it's highly stylized and beautiful. I, I feel also the feel same. Like the the end death of the Macbeth character mm-hmm. in. Throne of Blood is so gory that I feel like even in 1961, audiences were like, what the fuck? Whoa, yeah, <laughs> this is crazy, yeah. yeah. Which is also awesome. Like, yeah. um, I feel the same way that you do about, like, kind of Ingmar Bergman, A, about Ingmar Bergman. I feel that same way where it's like, wow, this is a really important, like, Persona is a really important movie. Uh, but, like, mm, I don't know about that. I also feel that way about Federico Fellini. And yeah. I did not see Knights of Cabiria. Right, which uh, one foreign film, and it's actually the reason I didn't watch it is because it's not, I would have had to rent it like it's not on a streaming service currently and i don't i'm not i don't get into like i can appreciate fellini i'm glad like mike nichols and martin scorsese were like loved him and it turned them into what it turned them into but um the movies of his that i've seen i'm like not for me it's just not yeah Mm, i agree what what i just watched one a little while ago um that is like his most autobiographical one was a marcord um, and my God, I actually love Lestrada because his wife, I think is like an incredible actress. Like, I think she's like fantastic and so expressive, but like, yes, I watched a Marcord. I watched like, read, like a half hour of it and I was, Oh like, my God. <laughs> is it, it's, 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 it's something. Yeah. Um, and so 
Yeah, I, I wanted to, to bring that up before I got into those other two movies. I thought, I mean, Stanley Kubrick is, I know it's so cliche, but he's he's just my favorite director of all time. Megan, you might hate that because every movie he made was 17 hours long. Uh, but like, I, I, don't, I think- li- I don't hate that because every movie was 17 hours long. I hate that because I don't like most of his movies. Like straight up, do oh, not really? enjoy them. I loved yeah. Paths of Glory. Yeah, oh, okay, I think it good. was incredible. Yeah. I think it's incredible. And I think it's funny because it's, all the fun of Stanley Kubrick minus the pretension. I was like, yeah, oh, sure. cool. This is what you would be if nobody told you you were a genius. Like, raw. Um, it was great. Loved it. There's a scene yeah. that that shot when they're like going through the trenches and it like with the whistle? Yeah, with the whistle. And you really see like what he's gonna become. It's such a fascinating thing. Even the scene too, when they're talking about like People aren't, it's like the more headier thing when they're like, oh, they're not afraid of dying. They're afraid of how they're going to die. Mm. It's fascinating. I, I thought this was amazing. I thought this was, this movie is probably, I mean, I don't know, Witness for the Prosecution. I, I always have a soft spot. Sidebar, Alex, I'm kind of a comedian. I'm kind of funny. <laughs> so like, I always have a soft spot for any movie that has like comedy in it. So like, sure. I'm always going to give that the benefit of the doubt. Um, but, uh, but I thought Paths of Glory was super, super cool. It's the Kubrick without the Kubrick. It's shocking that you don't love Kubrick then considering every movie of his is such a laugh a minute, you know, Barry Lyndon. So funny. funny, You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that is so true. Lolita. So funny. Did you know about the the lighting in Barry Lyndon though? Oh yeah. I think I've heard about that. I think I've heard about that one fact. Um, yeah, I, I think I firmly believe that Paths of Glory not only is one of the best war movies ever made, it's unarguably the best World War One film ever made. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, could be Kubrick's best war movie overall, even better than Full Metal Jacket. I, I liked it more than Full Metal Jacket, which half of yeah. that movie I really liked and the other half I thought was yeah, it's, garbage. Yeah, it's it's two it's two movies because he was like, I think. Well, it also, I think, weirdly, because, you know, I feel like obviously it's it's not as well known. It kind of does what. Dr. Strangelove is doing, but better. That's a good point. To me also, because I don't think it's, um, there's something about like the wackiness of Dr. Strange, Mm -hmm. Dr. Strangelove. At some point it becomes like, you know, we talked about this, like there's elements of it that are great. Like I, I mean, Peter Sellers is obviously amazing and I love George C. Scott in that movie. I love everything with George C. Scott in it, but some of it feels almost too gaggy where Passive Glory just has like this, like darkness it's it's actually really interesting to watch with 12 angry men because it's such like a flip side like in terms mm-hmm. of like courtroom um drama yeah yeah like the courtroom drama in passive glory is so infuriating and pessimistic sure. as opposed to the ultimate optimism of 12 angry men yes that i think there it's a really interesting pairing agreed yeah, just like the point. just like at the end like the your men died wonderfully Mm. And then, like, tying the gurney to a pole to kill this guy who's going to die anyway. And Yeah, I mean, I had seen it before and I liked it before, but this time it really blew me away. And if I, I mean, like, it's kind of funny that you actually love Paths of Glory because I think it was the film really that, I, I think this is what got Kubrick on Spartacus which is what then continued his like because I think Kirk Douglas like loved him and was like no yeah. I want to keep working yeah. with 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 that guy. Which by the way I dig a lot of Spartacus too. I think it's too long, but like I actually like oh. Spartacus is one of my favorite one of his movies actually. There's you know who's in it? Charles fucking Lawton. Yeah, hey, Charles Lawton. That's <laughs> my boy, Charles Lawton. I love him. It's very weird watching Passive Glory sidebar. 
and being like, oh man, Michael Douglas is really old. And then you're like, <laughs> yes, that's Kirk. <laughs> They're exactly the same. It's crazy. It uh, really is. It's so bananas to me. It, it's also great. I was looking at this today. Like I know, you know, I know you don't like him, but like to go from Paths of Glory to then Spartacus, Lolita, Dr. Strangelove, 2001 to A Clockwork Orange, like that is a insane. And then of course, Barry Lyndon and The Shining. That's an insane stretch. It's, <laughs> I, I mean, it's crazy. I just, I, I don't want to watch any of those movies ever again, other than <laughs> this movie and The Shining. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. I hear you for sure. If somebody was um, like, "Oh, let's watch Barry Lyndon and Clockwork Orange like back to back," I'd be like, "No, no, 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 no. I'm so sorry. I have to pick out um, the my a fingernails for myself." Yeah, I'd, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, "No, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. I'll take a pa- I'll take a hard pass. I don't know. That's my that's my oh, hot take you. on Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. And if they were I'm like, "We're gonna we're," uh, well, the other thing too is that one time. I watched the last 20 minutes of 2001 when I was like a little bit high and that was a terrible idea. It's like, Oh, we used to get high and cue it up to, there's a certain point where it matches well with Yoshimi battles, the pink robots by the flaming lips. Yep. And And, uh, and I'm going to say right away. What's whatever the opposite of boomer is millennial, whatever. Okay. Millennial. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell you more about that. I am a millennial. And by the way, I want everybody to know I am a millennial. Okay. We are te- we are technically millennials. We're millennials. Okay, I think it's really a different. I think it's really a different generation. Personally, like we, there should be something in between. Well, actually, yeah. my and friend, I know sometimes sorry, sidebar, people say there is, but friend, friend of the podcast, Rachel Lewis. I was having the discussion with her today at the park, which is why I was late. Between nine. Well, but we're still out of that, though. Like late seventies, early eighties. I just feel like if you're in the generation where you didn't have the internet until high school, that is different than yeah, that's people true. that literally had the internet in elementary. I'm going to ask that's her what the, what, yeah. the, what that middling thing is because there's a there's a there's a name for it. But continue. Yeah. Whatever. I um, well, I think that's it for probably Paths of Glory because yeah. I, 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 I let's we, talk about facing the crowd. I I was. It was interesting. Like I, the the New York, I read the New York Times review again afterwards, and they put it in an interesting way. In some ways, they actually liked it. In some ways, they didn't like it. And they thought they thought it was refreshing that um, this wasn't about the machine that makes the man, and right. it wasn't about the fact that a lot of these men actually end up being dumber than they might appear, like celebrity in and of itself. But it was actually about the man in and of itself. And I think maybe the reason why it didn't get any nominations is because I wonder if this was a trope that was being oft explored at this time in cinematic history. You know what I mean? Um, And I I think now with hindsight, I mean, it's just like you text me afterwards about like, oh, isn't it sad how completely relevant that movie is? Like with that hindsight makes that film, like distance really makes this film grow exceptionally well, in my opinion. I think this film is written really well. Mm -hmm. Um, That was... uh, What's his name's? Oh my God! What's his name? Andy Griffith. Andy that was Griffith. His, his. Are you kidding me? His first movie, like that was. I, I. I just thought it. It had a lot of. It wasn't a perfect film. Um, there's like weird moments where like Walter Matthau is talking, and all of a sudden Ilya Kazan's like, "Next, like we're yeah. just gonna go to the next scene." I uh, actually wonder if that's part of the reason too, because this is you know after kind of after Whack, and it is mm-hmm. Ilya Kazan who named names, and even though a lot of Hollywood was complicit in that. He was kind of such like a famous person at that time because we're coming off Streetcar and we're mm. coming off. I wonder if it was Hollywood rebuking him in a way. 
like the Academy being like, we're not going to nominate his movie because of what he did. Um, I but, mean, not a single nomination. Is yeah. Big. Um, especially because, you know, Patricia Neal had already had, is going to win an Academy Award in a couple years mm. um, for uh, The Hustler um, or HUD. Sorry. Um, yeah. If Megan, have you ever seen A Face in the Crowd? No, I'm so sorry. I have not. That's okay. Um, basically, it's about Annie Griffith plays this drunk that Patricia Neal's character like runs this radio show and she finds him in a prison. He's like a really good singer and he just kind of becomes a bigger and bigger like star and eventually like starts running for a political office and like it's and he's this guy who like you know kind of puts on these airs of being like this regular person who really actually he despises the people that support him i don't know if this is starting to sound familiar at all to our current political situation Mm. um the big difference uh spoiler alert is eventually he gets caught on radio talking shit about these people and they all hate him as opposed to now where people are like no that was probably fake news and we yeah. still uh, <laughs> it's very still much <laughs> it's very much like network meets all the king's men like because yeah. of the be- that, and that is kind of one of the problems with the movie at the beginning you do really get the sense that he actually enjoys the people that he's talking to yeah. he does like these down home country folk and then there's a weird turn where he does absolute power yeah corrupts absolutely Corrupt, absolutely i i think i didn't know about uh, that that children, that guy who read children's books on air, though, did you read that story? I guess no, I didn't. There's a there's a, a headline in the movie, and it's like you know this guy's blunder was as big as Uncle Doc's or something. And I guess there was this guy who read children's books on the radio, uh, and his mic was left on at the end of one of the readings, and he said that ought to hold the little bastards, and then he got like immediately canceled. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh God, that's the story. By the way, that's truly the story of my life. <laughs> oh yeah you got canceled because something you said on i mean air one i time? would i fucking would yeah yeah i think i do think i mean craig you can correct me if i'm wrong i actually genuinely think it's worth a watch i thought it was a good oh yeah yeah Max. i think it's definitely worth a watch i think it's like sort of haunting given what we've been going through um right now but um yeah i definitely think it's worth watching <clears throat> if you um, wanted to know about the generation between millennials and gen x they're zennials Oh, and this is what this says. Zennials may very well be such a word. It's a word that refers to people who were born on the cusp between Generation X and the Millennials. Some consider Zennials to be those born between 1977 and 1983. The term Zennial doesn't exist for the sole purpose of making old Millennials feel better about themselves. <laughs> that's a line. That's amazing. Well, that's that's nice of them to do. For that's I mean, and we're ba- we're like on the cusp, Meg. We're the cusp. Okay, but of can I say what? Uh, can I? Are you ready for the, uh, Craig? Are you ready for the, uh, two uh, other options for Zennials? The two other names, <clears throat> also yeah. known as, uh, the Oregon Trail Generation. Oh, great! Yeah. Oh my God. And Generation Catalano. Which you because know, of Jordan, mother, yeah, because of Jordan. I was going to say neither of you get, but of course, Craig, you get it. Yeah, yeah. I've watched. I've watched my so-called life. Okay, okay. Um, Honestly, I was too young. So. Yeah. So of so of all the movies in 1957, now including the ones we just talked about that weren't nominated, what should have won Best Picture? Um, yeah. I'm still sticking with Witness for the Prosecution because I love the comedy of it. 
and I will always stand up for a, a comedy, but Paths of Glory is my second favorite for sure. Um, I think it's a better war movie than Bridge on the River Kwai. Zing, David Lean. Come at me, bro. Damn, Battle of the British Directors. I would say Paths of Glory. If I um, could do it all over again right now, that would be my pick. I would say... I mean, it, it kills me to say it, but I actually think I would still stick with River Kwai just from a, I think it all comes down to what we think the best picture should be. And I think yeah. if we're taking scope of creation into account, uh, then I would give it to that. Although it kills me to say that because I think that's the reason why Stanley Kubrick never won an Oscar, except for like special effects one time was because right. there was always a film that someone thought was better. So right. I have no problem giving it to Paths of Glory. Um, Alex, before we wrap up, do you have a, um, do you have a favorite film from 2020? And I'm including through right now, basically, because this is, today is the Academy Award cutoff, February 28th. Oh, jeez. Jeez um, Louise. I think, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah really opened my eyes about how I was educated, uh, as a young white male growing up in the suburbs and my miseducation in that way. I thought that was fantastic. And then the documentary that you recommended, um, collective. There were moments of that movie that might stick with me for the rest of my life. This doesn't ruin anything, but at, at the end of the movie, with that dad like pointing up to the heavens, like that just really ruins you. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Um, uh, so yeah, I would say that those two movies. I, I can't. I'm sure as we talk about more movies, I'll think of other things. Are like, oh yeah, that was really good. Um, but like those are the first two that jumped to my mind. Is like, wow, those were pretty impactful. Yeah, Meg. Um, uh, Sound of Metal is my favorite movie of the, of two, the 2020. Um, Nomadland is really good. Uh, it's two different movies kind of slammed into one a little bit. Um, I felt like the first half was, uh, about like America and corporate America and I was kind of fucked up. And then the second half was more about grief. Um, but both movies work well. Uh, she's a young filmmaker. She's like my age. She's mm. like basically. So, so not that young. So not that yeah. young. Yeah. Thanks, Craig. So she's figuring it out, um, but it's good. Yeah, Judas and the Black Messiah is good. Really good. Um, yeah, weird, weird year for movies, man. The only movie that yeah. really blew me away was Sound of Sound of Metal. Um, everything else has just been really in, enjoyable or less enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Judas and the Black Messiah is my favorite of the year also, although I, I did like Nomadland. I liked Minari quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a good one. Um, Collective, I've mentioned before. I will mention that I, I did notice that uh, if you don't want to pay for Collective, because I do suggest watching it, I think it's on Hulu towards the end of March. Um, is That's where its streaming home will be. So um, check that out uh, if you want to wait. Oh. Um, go ahead. <laughs> yes. Sorry. You're going to kill me, but I have to end this way. Cause Megan, the thing about like uh, Craig and I is like, I'm definitely often have more pretentious tastes than him. Correct. Oh, hard um, and, by the way, hard to do. I know. And welcome. Welcome. <laughs> I actually, and Craig, I think you might find this very funny. I understand it's not a great film, but I really enjoyed, I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah, of course you do. Oh, I, you know, and I haven't watched that yet. It's on the thing. And mostly because my, my husband is a writer and, mm. um, uh, he is also awful. 
And he's like, I can't throw. We're going to watch it for sure. He's one of those guys, though, that's like, we're definitely going to watch it. Like, for sure. Yeah. We're, he also ordered the entire oral history of The Sopranos and is like, I'm definitely okay. going to read this. For sure, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to read this. Yeah. It's like, As okay. it's, it's on the coffee table book for yeah, the next I'm like, you're not going to read this, but that's fine. Um, so, yeah, it's on my list, I guess. That movie, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to spoil anything. I will say that that movie accomplishes something, a, a certain level of sadness that only Charlie Kaufman can achieve. Which yeah. I'm excited about for sure, but I, it's like difficult because it's like everybody's like, watch this, watch this. And I'm like, have you been watching the Rosses of Atlanta right now, though? Because like we are deep in like a very intense season. Yeah. And also like, like now people have introduced me to like fucking drag race UK. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Not watch There's it. But only yeah. so many times in the day. Yeah. 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 Don't yeah. get into, don't get into drag race with Craig. You, you, you know what I have to say about, you know what I have to say about that, Mike? Bing, bang, bing, bong, sing, 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 song, <laughs> ding, ding, dong, UK, hon. Um, I want to rewatch. I'm thinking of any things. I actually really did like the first half of that movie and then it unraveled for me. I want to check it out again. I rewatched Mank and actually liked it better. Oh yeah. 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 We started it. And then I think we got into a fight, but it's going to definitely happen. Great. Great. Any any worst movies? Worst movies? Yeah. Um, Oh God. Doolittle. Yeah. Do do (laughs) Doolittle. Hillbilly Elegy. Doolittle. Hillbilly Elegy. What's Doolittle. Doolittle was the uh, Robert Downey Jr. Doctor Doolittle film. That oh, that was out. this year. That was twenty twenty. Came out in January of twenty twenty. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, before, that makes sense. Before the world. Fell apart. Can I get I, a little bit of hate or love for Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four? Oh, it's Hated. bad too. I it's think I had it. Garbage. It, it was like my sixth worst movie when we did. Um, and it was my number like one a, worst like movie. Three so far in my last five, like brutal before the end of the calendar year 2020 and meg was like i can't believe wonder woman's not on there it's like it's literally one outside of the worst films i saw it's the one of the best parts was a new york times reviewer was like someone why does this take place in 1984 like uh, is there any reason but she is very pretty gorgeous absolutely gorgeous like a full that that was the part that both uh maddie and i were at the end we're like losing our minds was like the dude comes up to her and is like what's going on blah 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 and is chatting with her and she's chatting back and he's like, okay, well then, see you later. And I'm like, cool, you just talked to maybe the most beautiful woman that exists on this planet. And you were like, okay, well, bye now. Like, aren't we, away. wait, aren't we podcasting with that woman right Hit now? on the lady, me. <laughs> please hit like i know like here's the problem i know that sometimes my physical beauty will like turn people off because they're like Mm -hmm. i don't know if i can like do it like i i'm intimidated by her and i'm saying as that beautiful lady please please hit on me dear god Mm -hmm. please hit on me okay i have not gotten Um, it enough craig you can attest we're gonna we're gonna shut this down (laughs) um before we go Alex, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, yes. As I'm sure a lot of your listeners are really uh, excited to hear, uh, they can follow me on Twitter at AlexFast8. Uh, if they are curious and hungry for fantasy baseball content, I just got invited to the most prestigious fantasy baseball tournament uh, in the in the industry. That's happening on Tuesday. They can tune into it on Sirius Radio from 12 to 4. Uh, also in another 
um, fantasy baseball uh, industry draft uh, that's on Thursday, which will also be broadcast live on Sirius radio from 12 to four. Um, so I know that there's a large crossover there between yeah. fantasy baseball and, and um, you know, classic movies from the 1950s. So for those who are interested in that, they can, would you, um, would you, would you say that your number one pick this year is going to be Roy Hobbs or Ricky Vaughn? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ugh, I hate you, Craig. Honestly, I do. It's gross. The question is like, you know, Roy Hobbs is an everyday player. He can mash, but he's getting older. And the question is, can he play the full season? Ricky Vaughn, he's a bit of a wild thing. But like, if he's on, he's unhittable. To to bring it all full circle, I will be drafting uh, the Silver Fox from Mad Men as a player from the uh, Chicago Black Sox. Right. Um. Uh, Alex also works for a website uh, called Pitcher List, which is uh, specifically tailored uh, towards fantasy baseball, primarily in the pitching realm. Um, So you can check um, him out frequently on that podcast as well. Um, And he's a contributor for Major League Baseball. He'll be doing overlays for Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN this season. Yeah. Very exciting. Um, Do you have anything anything you'd like to plug? No, I'll probably never work again. Go watch Paul Giamatti, my close personal friends television shows i don't yeah. care yeah you can see megan for two seconds in a commercial with paul giamatti uh which last time just, saw, know, still that airing, there, just so. know that there was a time in my life when things were okay and that time has passed but yeah. you know yeah that's all um hey get into baseball yeah i'm into it man fucking shortstop first base that's pitcher. More, yep. Yep. Those are positions. You're nailing it. Kike Hernandez. Very nice. He's a Red Sox now. Is he a Red Sox? Yes. (gasps) Shit. Kike's a Red Sox? Oh, sorry. That is exciting to me because I don't, I mean, Dodgers are fine, whatever, but I do like Kike. He is hot. And, you know, most of my family are fucking trash people. So they're big fucking Red Sox fans. He's he's there. And he's a good guy. That's so fucking exciting. I swear yeah. to God. You can follow us on Instagram at the Oscar should have gone to on Twitter at the Oscar should. Um, if you like what you listen to, please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, Meg and I will be back in a couple weeks. We're going to be talking about uh, best actor, actress skin. We'll be doing 2003. So we're talking cool. mystic river, baby lost in translation. We're talking. Is monster. that my daughter in there? Is that my daughter that is, in there? Oh, I fuck, say that we're doing mystic all the river? time. Oh shit. Yeah. That's going to, we're be talking about, lit whale rider you guys so tune in then thank you for listening uh stay safe out there and we will talk to you soon bye bye